my one one of my moments was laying on the floor begging a man to love me and he stepped over me mm. and i made myself a promise actually i made a promise to god and said if you get me off this floor i will never get back on it and i'm gonna do everything in my power so no other woman will ever feel this kind of pain coming through Welcome to a new episode of the Strangely Brilliant Podcast, where we discuss media news, hot topics, and everything in between. I am your favorite host, Maria the Creative, and I've got a great show for you today. But before we get into it, if you would like to stay up to date on what's going down in these media streets, make sure you subscribe, like, share the podcast, which you can find on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, and of course, YouTube. I thank you so kindly. On August 9th, 2022, a Psychologist Today article was published with the title of What's Behind the Rise of Lonely Single Men? And men, mostly black men, around the internet nearly lost their minds. This explosive article sparked so many debates as to why so many men were having trouble finding women to settle down with, which further ignited the age-old feud, man versus woman. And as science would tell us, with every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, hence the feminist movement. While we know feminist has been around since 1832, but the feminist in 2023 says, forget burning the bra, I'ma put a clank clank over these pants. Rejecting old social norms and traditional practices, black women are now saying that they are okay with the idea of not being married. Women are taught from a young age that marriage should be your ultimate life goal, especially in the black church. But what if that isn't her ultimate goal? Is it selfish? Women are saying that they are fed up with the patriarchal societal expectations of women to completely sacrifice her own existence to make sure that everyone else is happy and taken care of. While there are two sides to every coin, women are starting to take accountability for their shortcomings and entering into therapy. Embarking on their personal healing journeys, now women are saying through their healing process, they are desiring marriage and romantic relationships, but are less willing to settle for it. Women are requiring more than just a provider and protector. They are desiring men who are more self-aware, compassionate, and communicative. This is obviously a grave concern because this great online debate is actually spilling over into real life. There are more women who are choosing celibacy rather than getting romantically involved with men. In this series, I will be exploring how did we get here and is there any sign of resolution? In this episode, I will be interviewing a woman who says she is dating and it's herself. 
and we'll get more into the intimate details on how she got there. This is an hour long interview, which will be broken down into segments for your listening and viewing enjoyment. And as always, make sure that you leave comments because I want to hear your feedback. Hey, Tina, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm well. Can you hear me? I can. You can, can you hear, hear me? me? Am I clear? Mm-hmm. I hear you pretty well. Yes, yes, yes. So, yay. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I want to start with, first of all, um, introduce yourself and just kind of tell us uh, what it is that you do. Okay. So, my name is Tina Bailey. I am actually a strategy coach and um, certified nonprofit strategy consultant, but in my passion, I am um, what they deem the woman for women. And what I, what that means pretty much is I help women um, create strategies in order that they can actually live their life so that they are self-reliant and self-efficient. And so um, if that means you start a nonprofit or a business, or if you um, figure out how you need to get a raise on your job or promotion, or if that means that you need to walk away from a toxic relationship, we create a strategy to make it happen. Okay. I like that. Um, can you share with us, first of all, what motivated you to get on this path of doing this type of work, life coaching and being a speaker and consulting? So, um, you know, it's, it's in my book, so I don't care. I don't need to feel or feel a need to deny or cover anything. My one of, one of my moments was laying on the floor, begging a man to love me, and he stepped over me. Mm. And I made myself a promise. Actually, I made a promise to God and said, "If you get me off this floor, I will never get back on it, and I'm gonna do everything in my power so no other woman will ever feel this kind of pain." And that is when the journey started. So from that moment, like what were the first steps once you gained the strength to get up off the floor? Were you, did you immediately know what to do or are you just kind of, Lord got me? <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I had no idea what I was going to do. I had lived um, all of my adult life. Um under the rules and regulations of someone else. And um, I didn't know what it looked like. And it's so funny because the first thing that I did, you know, uh, after I pulled myself together and realized, okay, Tina, (laughs) what's next? Is I create a vision board. And it's so funny because even in that, I can look back at it now. And even on that vision board, I actually still have, have that vision board. But it was get up, take a bath. Mm. Just that simple. That just that was it. It was just just and then just really trying to figure out and find who I was and find out who I was outside of being a wife and outside of being a mother. And and that's when, you know, the next thing was I started dating me and figuring Mm. out who I was because I had no idea who I was. I wore a lot of hats and I had a lot of titles, but no, none of them signified who I was. And I needed to figure out who that was. And I made a lot of um, observations about myself that I had no idea was the truth about who I was because I never knew. 
So can you kind of tell us if willing uh, a little bit about kind of like how you started your your married life i should say about what age were you um and kind of speak about what were some of the challenges you were trying to overcome in your marriage and um and also how that also played a part as your relationship with the church hmm. good so i started dating my ex-husband when I was 15 years old. We got married when I was 20. We got divorced when I was 45. So oh, wow. all of my adult life was in that. So it was a 30-year relationship. Um, he, you know, as far as things that we was, that I was trying to, challenges, um, it was more of a thing of, I can look back and I can now say I grew up under that pulse, under that rule, under his rules of what he wanted life to be like. Um, and I didn't know anything different because I didn't have that experience. Um, you know, my father died when I was nine years old. So I never had that. You know, I never. And, and, and I can honestly say back in that day, I was looking for that father figure. And that is what was provided. No, he wasn't older than me, but more mature in the things of the world and of the streets. Mm. And so I just thought that was the way it was supposed to be. I even remember writing um, that um, this is the life that God planned for me and I have to get thicker skin. Mm. And now I can look back and say that was not the life that God chose. That was the life that you accepted. Mm. Um, and as far as, you know, as it relates with the church, you know, um, he was a minister or is a minister and, um, there was a lot of spiritual abuse, um, with the whole aspect of, um, I remember, you know, very clearly one of the statement was the Bible says you're supposed to forgive seven times, seven times a day. And I asked myself, gosh, if that is the requirement, I have to forgive, you know? I now know that forgiveness does not mean acceptance. Mm. Forgiveness does not mean that I have to accept being mistreated. It means that I will no longer allow what you do to me to control me, and I forgive myself first. And so that was, you know, a lot of the challenges and, and another challenge and things that I wanted was, like I said, I did not grow up with my father, so I wanted to make sure my children grew up with theirs. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, a lot of times what I find is women, we will sacrifice our lives, you know, physically and mentally and for our children. And I do find that that is, you know, in, in my look, in my way of looking for an excuse to say, that was the excuse I gave. I now know mm -hmm. that exactly, that is exactly what it was. It was an excuse to say. Mm, I see. Did you feel like you had any support from any women in your life? Like, um, as far as, was there anyone there saying, honey, that's not, that's not love. This is not okay. Was there anybody, anybody in the church, any family members, or mm -hmm. were you encouraged to stick it out? So there's, there's two different answers to that. At one mm -hmm. point, it was a thing of, 
Um, you know, God wants you to, you know, God hates divorce. That's what I was told a long mm. time. God hates divorce. And we uh, we know now that that is not the case. God does not mm-hmm. hate divorce. He hates mistreatment and abuse. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, is this what it is? The other side of it is um, I was kind of, not kind of, I was isolated from my support group at a very early stage mm. of the relationship. And so I also, be, I also hid a lot of stuff. Um, I remember when I released my first book that my, I allowed my children to read it before I published it. And they was like, I remember that. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. like I didn't realize that was what was going on. Or I let my girlfriend um, read the book and she was like, you never, I never saw it. Like now I can look back and I can see it, but I never saw it because I never shared it. And mm-hmm. it was, I walked around with the mask, not just to hide from them, but a mask hiding for myself as well. Mm. That's, that's wild. So now that there seems to be more of a consensus that women are now choosing themselves over marriage, um, what do you think is kind of motivating more of that change? What what do you think is actually giving um, it more momentum these days that women are actually deciding, maybe I don't have to sacrifice everything about me for my children, my family, that I can also be as well. What Mm. do you think? Yeah, so I feel that um, I think it's two major, major components in it. We have to realize and understand we came from a generation of mothers that, that were taught, our mothers were taught that you find a good man, you settle down, you have kids, mm-hmm. you do what you're supposed to do. And so that is that is what they were taught. That's what they taught us. And that's what we live by. Now, you know, our generation are teaching our children, our girls, you know, you need a place at the table. You need to make sure that you're coming to the table and that you're able to be self-sufficient and do the things that you want to do in life and that you can have the family and the career. I think the other thing that is being um that is happening is that you know back in the day you know to be honest a woman couldn't even get a loan if she wasn't married mm-hmm. and now women are realizing i can do these things and i don't need that counterpart to do it i also think another thing that's that's really pushing that issue is at a very young age we were the first thing we give a little girl is a baby doll or a bear and say, mm. I need you to take care of this and I need you to make sure it don't get hurt. So we're taught and grown even at an early age to take care of everyone else but ourselves. And now we're at that point where we're realizing it is important to do self-care and more people are talking about self-care and self-love. And I think it's opening the eyes to women to realize I got to care for myself. I often say we don't attract what we want. We attract what we are. Mm. And if you are broken and bruised, you're going to attract the same thing. So heal from within so you can give fully and receive fully. I like that. Absolutely. I totally agree. So now I think that 
I'm optimistic. You know, I, I like to believe that there the the dream. We're all going to get to a place where we're all in a good place. We're in unity. Black men, black women, the black family structure, black love, that black love is really a real thing. You know what I'm saying? So my question to you, what do you think would take it would take for the bridge to be mended between black men and black women and try to start the healing process between the two? It's a good question. So. You know, I'm one of those people too. I am, I love love. Okay. I love <laughs> love. And I love seeing um, individuals that are in love. I love being in love. I love the whole concept of love. Okay. Okay. But I learned that at first I had to love me. Mm. <laughs> and that so was true. like the best thing. When I fell in love with me, it kind of changed it. And I think that is what it's going to take when mm. we as a person and as people fall back in love with ourselves and really love and be able to be vulnerable and share the truths of who we are without feeling as if we have to one up the other or mm -hmm. if we are, you know, we're so closed off because we're afraid of being judged. I think that when we let down our guards and be <clears throat> vulnerable and just be authentic in who we are, I think we'll see a change in and that we will begin to um we will begin to be able to come together and mend. And that's gonna mend that bond. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to I try not to describe subscribe to the whole thing of, you know, what well, this has been happening all of our lives. And okay, just because it's been happening all your lives don't mean you have to do it. Mm -hmm. But the other side of that, you know, let's be real. We can go all the way back to slavery and we can see how, you know, that man that, you know, he could not be vulnerable because if he was vulnerable, he would get beat. You know, if he, he, he didn't show his strength, he would get beat. Then there was times when he was forced to be vulnerable because, you know, the, the slave owner was taken advantage of his wife and doing things with his wife and there was nothing he could do about it. Then that also right. made the wife feel like I can't trust him because he can't protect me. So all mm -hmm. of that is was formed inside of us and we carry a bit of that in us every day. And I feel like a lot of the reasons that that is such a, a break between the commitment and the attachment between Black men and Black women is because all of us have been hurt. In so many ways. So he's not, he's dealing with his own pain, just being in the world. We're dealing with our pain, just being in the world. And nobody wants to talk about it because we want to show that I'm, I got this. I'm okay. And I'm at a level to where, you know, nothing is bothering me. And now everyone is crumbling and we have no safe space to land. Mm. I agree. I agree. It definitely I I agree with the idea mostly um, is showing up as oneness. Uh, we've been taught so many times that that's my other half. You know, you only show up as 50 percent of yourself and then you expect the other person to show up with your other part of your 50 percent. And in all actuality and what I've learned and something I had to unlearn is that you have to show up whole. 
It's 100%, 100%, not 50-50. That's the lie I think we bought into. And, and I think people show up in these uh, scenarios with kind of unrealistic <clears throat> expectations of someone um, because we show up wounded and, you know, we have these traumas and we're expecting our partner to be our healer, our psychiatrist, our lawyer. Like it's, you know, some people aren't equipped to handle all of that. And so, yeah, I, I believe that we all individually need to do the work. Mm-hmm. I will tell you this, um, I'm on tick. I'm a TikToker, okay? <laughs> and um, I've been doing TikTok for, I don't know, going on three years now. And I have seen this one, I seen this young black a therapist. She's probably like 27. She's a therapist. She has clients and she would come up there and she talks, she talks very colorfully because I think she's kind of like Gen Z-ish or Gen X's. And you know, they, they have knowledge, but it's like the way they tell you it is just kind of, it might be a little off-putting depending who you are, right? I'm okay with it because, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, kind of free spirited that way. But the way she was speaking about mental health um, was very colorful. And depending on how I hit your ear, you might have been offended, but it was true. So mm-hmm. when that article about um, how black, um, not just black men, men period, are um, seeing a rise in singleness, um, she quoted the article and told black men specifically that they need to go to therapy, learn some emotional healing. I mean, some emotional intelligence or they're going to end up alone. Um, she didn't say it like that. <laughs> uh, she said it a little aggressive with some colorful words. So oh, I do apologize. So um, I understand why it was probably taken out of context the way it was. But um, they got that young lady fired. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of remember seeing that. Yeah, they got her fired and it was really a telltale sign of like who's willing to really do the the work. You know what I mean? Um, it seems that because we are pretty much in a predominant, what pretty much, where am I? What am I talking about? We are in a patriarchal society. Okay. We <laughs> that's just what it is. And I think that because it all the system works for them, what is the incentive? to do the work on myself because the world says I'm that guy. And basically you're supposed to be at home doing the washing, the cleaning and tending to the children. That's what the rules say. So what do I need to do the work for? You need to get your attitude together. Miss man, miss Missy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. get in that kitchen, Mm -hmm. miss Missy. So Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like, I don't know. That's the only thing I can, I kind of see is the, the real obstacle, like, getting more men to do the work on themselves. Nobody's asking for perfection. I think that's what it is. It's I think when they hit when it hits their ear, they're hearing, you know, the wagging of the finger. And it's not even that. It's like we all need that healing, that trauma that has been passed down from generation to generation. As you stated, we all need to be purged of that so that we can start to experience new things and attract the things that we are, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, so you know, I just want to, you know, say though, like, let's be real. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I do kind of remember that 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 story. And you know, when you're talking about that women that men are expecting women to be in the home, dot dot dot. I, I, that's 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 grown boys that's wanting that, not men. Because mm. yes. a man is going to want you to stand beside him, not behind him. Um, it's that young, it's that it's that grown boy that's feeling mm. that their ego is damaged if you are a little bit ahead of them. But if you realize and you understand that everything we do is to um, elevate each other, it wouldn't be seen that way. Um, and, you know, and I think that a lot of times what happens is when men, um, when men are challenged in their ability to provide, it puts them on defense. And, you know, and they want that feminine side of women to show up. Like, where is the feminine side of you? You know, you're so masculine. But is she masculine or has she been put in a position where she had to make the hustle to make things happen? Or is it that, you know, she can't be in her feminine state and be in the kitchen cooking because she's worried that she's going to have enough food or the electricity to cook. So she's Mm. got to go out and make that hustle. So. I think that we have to realize and understand, I think more and more women would walk more in their femininity if they didn't have to battle with being in that masculine state so much. Like it's hard to turn it off. You're, you know, as they say, you're a boss in the street and you got to come home and make decisions. It's like, okay, where does it go? Where does it stop? So you begin to, that becomes who you are. And I know, I can only speak for myself. I have no, I have no problem submitting as long as I know where we're going and who you submitting to. So okay. I think that we have to realize and understand that now women are asking more. They're not just, you know, falling by the wayside and say, okay, whatever you want. Because for a long time, men had become the master instead of, um, you know, the slave owner. So it's right. like, what you need, what you need, honey, what you need. <laughs> Now is a thing of what do we need? What are we bringing to the table? I agree. I like that. Okay, so before we get ready to close out, um, I met Tina uh, a couple years ago. We were working on a talk show. And that's when I first heard about your story. And like I said, when this topic came up, I was like, yo, she would be perfect for this conversation. So um, I told my supporters of my show and they have some questions they want to ask you as well. So I was gonna um, dig into some of those questions for you. Whew, okay, there's up to a hundred. I'm not gonna ask you a hundred questions, I swear. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just gonna ask you a few. Um, but what you could do is send me the list and I will send it back. Oh, it's like in a whole text group. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, hold on. Here we go. Okay, here's the first question. Uh, did you feel obligated to stay due to religious expectation? And was there infidelity or um, anything like that that you had to repeatedly deal with? Hmm. Um, yes and yes. So yes, I did feel the obligation to my um, spiritual beliefs, and like I said, I was taught at a young age that God does not hate God hates divorce, um, and 
Um, it was just the whole thing of honestly, there was a point where I felt if I didn't um, adhere to my vows, that the earth was going to open up and I was going to fall into the pit of hell immediately. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, it was like a yeah. lot of brainwashing, you know, oh, and yeah. not just from my marriage, just from being brought up in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Don't get it wrong. I love church. I love God. But, you know, sometimes we, those traditions can be very, very, very brutal. Mm. Um, the second question is, uh, part of that is, was there infidelity? There was a lot of infidelity, even causing me to question who I was and whether or not I was good enough. And um, it it was really, really rough. It it was rough. And I it caused me to just, like I said, truly doubt my worth. And mm-hmm. now, uh, as they say, you know, I, I am the table. So I understand. I don't have to hey. worry about being invited. Being invited. Hey. So, you know, <laughs> but I do believe that it should have those things not happened in my life. I wouldn't be who I am today. And I wouldn't be able to help the women I have. Amen. Amen. Okay, so next question. Um, were was you ever actually in love with him? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I think because I, I got I was so I started the relationship so early that I don't know that I know what love was at that time. Mm. I mean, at 15, you don't know what true love is. Right. Um, you have a, you know, you have that puppy love, you have that, oh, it feels good kind of love, but is that right. in love? Um, I honestly can, I, I would have to be honest and say that I don't know that I have ever been in love. Wow. I mean, have I loved? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have I ever been in love? No. But the one good thing I can say, he was my best friend now. And poor, mm-hmm. at some points, he was my only friend, but yeah. <laughs> he was my best friend. So when we went our separate ways, I had to grieve losing, losing the friendship, not our mm. Wow. Was that an aha moment for you? But right then? Yeah. Or then? Yeah. It was. It's like I wasn't grieving the man that I said vows to. I was mm-hmm. grieving the man that knew all of my secrets. My mm. friend. Wow. I know that. I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's see. Okay. We have another question here. It says, what was your healing process and what does she recommend for others? Mm-hmm. My healing process was taking it slow. My healing process was stop lying to myself. Um, I sat on a couch for 18 months before I could admit that I was being abused. Mm. And so I was constantly lying to me. So I think the first step is to accept where you are, um, accept what you are experiencing, remove the red, remove the rose colored glasses and say, okay, what am I really feeling? Not what people say I should feel. Mm. You know, you know, am I sad? Am I mad? Am I happy? What am I? And I think that once you do that, you will start that process as far as my own personal process after I admitted that I also had to admit that I didn't know who I was. Mm. I had no idea who I was. I, you know, just a quick, you know, thing. I used to think for the longest time that my favorite color was purple. Um, and, and then after I started dating myself, I realized that I hated purple, that I wow. felt like Barney <laughs> in purple. And I mean, in high school, I literally had everything in my closet had some kind of purple in it. 
But I realized I didn't like purple. My ex-husband's favorite color was purple. My best friend's oh. favorite color was purple. My mother's favorite color was purple. So mine had to be purple. But what I realized that my favorite color is hot pink. Me too. <laughs> and, you know, and so yeah. I was like, oh, that's so girly. But, you know, it was amazing. But I would have never known that had I not stopped and mm. really started dating me. That's you know, powerful. Taking myself to the movies, taking myself to dinner, you know, writing love letters to myself, telling me that I'm beautiful every day. Mm. We want people to love us unconditionally, but we put conditions on our on the love we have for ourselves. Mm. That's very true. That's very true. So you're you're saying you have to learn to fall in love with you. Yes. Yes. I like that. And then ask yourself, would I date me? <laughs> if not, right. fix those things. <laughs> but come on, you go trying to find somebody that would date you. Like, would you yeah. date you? And I yeah. will be honest, I was broken. I was hurt. I was wanting to be in control. I was full of fear. I was comfortable in my mess. I was wearing a mask. Who wants to date that? Mm. And so I had to step back and say, what do I need for Tina? And I had to start doing that. Another thing that I did, did and I do, this would be you know, good for that question, um, is I have, I have women when they tell me they're ready to go back and date after they've come out of trauma, I tell them to write a list of all the things they want. And I want it to be everything and anything, only nothing out. Even if it's stuff that you really know is not obtainable, I want you to write it down. Mm. And once they write it down, I tell them to look at that list and ask what do they have that they can they can compare and give to them in response to that. And if you mm. can't give something back in response to that, how are you asking for it? Wow. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Okay. Um, one question says... Do you think love is possible for you again? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, yes. Am I rushing into it? No. <laughs> um, you know, when you when you were married for 30 years and you've used, I mean, look, it's only been six years. Mm. And I tell people what we need to realize and understand that when you are in an abusive relationship, they usually take anywhere from, um, it takes, five to six months for you to get over each year that you was in that. Because you got to retrain yourself. You got to relearn some stuff. You got to unlearn some stuff. So give yourself that time. And now I really feel that six years later, I am in a position to where I love myself enough that I know that no is next opportunity. I know that I don't have to play small anymore and I don't have to settle. Until mm. you get to that point, you can never be loved the way you want to be loved. Mm. And you will never, uh, never know love because you won't know what it looks like. But when you love yourself, you don't take discounts. Ooh, I like that. When you love yourself, you don't take discounts. Y'all write that down. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'm going to do two more questions and then I'm going to let you go. Okay. The question is, okay, so we, they asked, did you have kids? But we are, you already said you do have children. So they, the next question follow up after that was, um, how did the infidelity affect your co-parenting with, 
with the um your your child's father ex-husband and i i guess this is an extension question is it choosing singleness or giving up on love mm, that's good i like that question so first mm. of all i would say that um it did not have a whole lot of impact on our co-parenting um because i stayed until my youngest was almost um he was almost getting ready to graduate from high school so i mm. stayed so i didn't have to deal with um, the whole, you know, you're going to your dad's this weekend. I, I don't know how women do that. I, I can't. I, I just, I don't. I do my it. heart goes out to them because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that safe. Okay. <laughs> so, um, the, and, and, you know, but I would also say that, um, we were not good husband and wife, but we were good parents. We were good business partners. We were friends. So even today, you know, I can pick up the phone. Now our conversations are strictly about the children. I don't need to know what's going on in your life. You don't need to know what's going on in mine. I don't care what this, I don't care that this raining on your side of the world. It don't matter. Right. What's going on with the kids? And let's keep it moving. That's how our conversations are. And okay. there's no disrespect, but it is about it's setting boundaries of what mm. I need for my mental health. And I think that's one of the things that we as women, we, we don't do. We don't protect our mental health enough. We will put ourselves in a trigger and then get mad that we're triggered. Mm. Very true. Yeah. And then I you had, had to a learn second that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely had to learn that, especially um, in my co-parenting situation. Me and my son's father, we were never married, but I guess we were black folk married, living together, shacking. Yeah. Shacking. <laughs> Shack it. Yeah. And you know, when things did not work out, you know, he moved on with his life. I moved on with ours. Um, but it was a lot of contentions due to both parties um just not willing to be the bigger person, if you will. You know, a lot of ego between there. But I think we we've both matured and gotten to a place where the child is the center focus and that's who we focus on and we co-parent in peace now. You know, so I'm, I'm yeah. grateful for those days because, boy, yes. I wanted to send them up a river. Yes, okay. yes. I ain't gonna tell you on. I ain't gonna tell you on video what I had said, but you know, <laughs> yeah, we want to send them up the river. But you know, that is the main thing we have to. And I, you know, I have clients right now. It's like, well, how do I deal with co-parenting? Mm -hmm. Just keep it simple. Just very keep it simple. simple. Mm -hmm. If you don't have to go into a lot of details, don't worry about what. He is or isn't doing. As long as your child is coming home happy, that's all that you care about. That's it. And if they're not happy, then that's when you need to step up. But if they're happy, let it ride. Yep. That's it. That's it. I think what was the, oh yeah, the singleness or giving up on love. Wh which oh. is it? Which is it, baby? <laughs> um, I have not given up on love. Um. And, you know, and I have some really good people in my life that shows me love in different ways. The mm -hmm. other thing that I had to realize is I had to figure out what my true love language was so that I could receive Ooh. it. You know, um, sometimes so often you're like, oh, I like things, buy me things and this and that. Mm -hmm. But for me, I had to realize it's truly that quality time that just rocks my boat. And it can be in so many different ways. And don't get me wrong. I want all of the love languages. But if you <laughs> can master that one, you know, I, there's a different space. 
So am I comfortable in my singleness? Absolutely. But I also believe that it's not until you get comfortable in the status in which you have um, denied that you will be able to move out of it. Mm. As long as you're looking, oh, and you're so thirsty to be in a relationship, you're going to receive and take anything that's offered. And the way they kill people with poison is making them think that they have to have it. Mm. Come on now. Very, so, very true. Yeah, because, yeah, um, man, I, so many women now are coming out and, and a lot of them have been out of the church are starting to see that some of the things that they've been learning has actually been detrimental to, to their own mental health and their self-worth and, and their value. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to speak out more. Because that's what this whole path, I keep my ears to the streets, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most specifically um, when it pertains to black women, because obviously I'm part of that demographic. So right. um, I, I, I just, I'm glad because some, and then, at the same, at the same token, though, not to skip over these parts, there are women who are really in vi- volatile situations. So, it it might seem easy to walk away, but you know that the leaving part is sometimes the most volatile part, especially mm-hmm. if she's in a, a violent situation. Um, what are some tips that you can possibly give to some women who are possibly in that situation right now who would like some kind of way out, an uh, exit strategy, if you will? Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that because, you know, that's the other that's the other world. That's the other world <laughs> I live in, too, is, you know, like my nonprofit, it focuses on survivors of domestic abuse, abuse and sexual trauma. And so I think the first thing that I would tell I would say to the community, because that is where it starts. The community does not give women that are in that situation the resources or the help that they need in order to make that decision. Because my thing is the first thing we would tell a woman, you should leave. Are you going to let her come to your house? Are you going to lay on your couch? Are you going to give her the money for the hotel? Are you giving her an option of where she can go? Are you just saying what you would do if you was in that situation? Mining, mindfully, you've never been there, so you don't know what it feels like. So you're not really getting giving good advice. Right. So... The, the advice that I would give to the community is to realize that until a woman can see herself herself outside of that abuse, she can never make an exit plan. But she mm. has to be able to see herself not needing or depending on that. Right. And that's why it's so important for our communities to step up and be an advocate the proper way. As what I would say to that woman is, if you are being abused, physically abused, get out immediately. If you are, if it is emotional, um, uh, verbal, spiritual, financial, sexual, and it's something and sexual can be physical, but sometimes it's not. But if you, if you can, if you can stay in it long enough to, to create a plan, do that. Because then, because realize and understand a woman has left mentally before she leaves physically already. Mm. So that's going to give you an opportunity and a chance to, be confident in your decision to leave. And you're going to have the resources that you need in order to do so. I had my apartment for a whole month before I left because I had to be sure that that, that I was going to be good with leaving. 
And mm. after that month, I remember saying, oh, by the way, I'm moving at the end of the month. He's like, where are you going? You ain't got nowhere to go. So, well, I've been paying for an apartment for a month, so I'm going to go live in it. <laughs> and that's what I did. And I never looked back. <laughs> I know that's right. I know he was gagging. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. So, you know, we just have to, you know, make sure that they have the resources that they need because that's, that's what keeps them there. And then the other thing is I tell women to be very careful. Because um, abuse is all about control. That That's all that it is. It's about control. And so more more women or more individuals, more um, victims are likely to be harmed, um, fatally harmed once they leave. And we also have to remember this. It takes a woman an average of seven times to leave before she leaves. Mm. Because it's a vicious cycle. You know, you leave, they say, oh, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. You believe it, you go back. They do something worse. Oh, I'm sorry, you made me do it. I won't never do it again. And so you go back. And so it's a conscious cycle. So it usually takes about seven times for that woman to leave on average before she stays gone. But once a woman leaves for her, she never goes back. That's true. That's true. And I also would say um, if a woman is in a very volatile violent situation if she's planning on leaving um don't tell her oh yes, yes please yes. don't announce it yeah yeah don't in fact in fact make sure you have someone that is totally unbiased that you can tell even your girlfriends could slip girl what are you mm-hmm. leaving? i thought you was leaving you know yep. so be very very careful and then they will unfortunately begin to judge you when you don't leave so you have to be careful and make sure you're confiding in the right person. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Miss Tina. I enjoyed you. Now, thank can you. you please tell people where they can find you? And also, um, the the book information as well. Okay. So um, you can find me on social media, um, most of which would be Tina Bailey online or the Build Her. That's B-U-I-L-D-H-E-R. Like I'm building her. Um, those are my social media handles. Um, you can also find my book on Amazon, um, um, Barnes and Nobles, Walmart, on my website. It's everywhere. It's there. It's two books. Um, I will make What's sure. What's the titles? The first book is What You're Hiding is Hindering Your Blessing. Okay. And the second one is God Deliver Me From Me. Okay. And it is part of a trilogy. I am working on this on the third and final part. Nice. I hope, you know, I I always say, you know, God has these three o'clock dates with me. Three o'clock, he wakes me up and I'm write a book. So I'm in the midst of, I'm hoping this will be the last one for that part, (laughs) for that, that series. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but those are the ways. And of course, always, you can always go to my website. It's tinabailyonline.com. Um, and could you talk a, just a little bit about Sister Talk support group? As yes. Well? So <clears throat> Sister Talk is a part of my is is now under the branch of my nonprofit. But what it is for, it is a space because as women, it's hard. The older we get, the more difficult it is to make friends. So it is there so that women can connect with other women and find their friendships. Find find those individuals that want that they have the mindset they have, you know, and you get a, a, a good little group of people. You get to choose whoever you want. The other mm-hmm. thing that um, we offer through Sister Talk is we have um, 
It's relax, relate, re- relax, relate, and breathe. And it is a peer support group. It is um, housed by some um, coaches that I have trained to actually, um, we're not coaching you, we're not doing therapy, but it is a place where you can come and take off that cap, that cape, and just sit for a while and talk about what's going on and get feedback, not on what you should do, but what we did when we was in that situation. And mm. that helps you, that helps that woman get a, a better idea of how she can handle things. And so those are the two um, major components of Sister Talk. But it's really just a sisterhood of women wanting to come together and support each other. We have challenges the way I might say, okay, today, y'all going to we're going to do a challenge and we're going to triple our income for the month. Or we're going to, you know, go on a, a, a health care that um, um valley or you know mm-hmm. it's all about self-care this month it's always something going on in the community okay sounds good well you guys heard the information make sure that you head on over to her website make sure you support the pages support this woman because she has an amazing story and we want to continue to see you build your platform and go to the stars go to the moons i so. appreciate it. and i was also want to welcome them to um tune into my podcast um, oh sure Boss up Mm-hmm. Boss Up, um, the Boss Up podcast. And um, it's where I help women to realize that they are the CEO of their life. And we go through and actually talk about living your life as a business. So okay. Well, make sure you send me the link. So I'll have it linked to the episode as well. So they can easy access. Absolutely. All right, Miss Tina. Will you enjoy your week? And uh, I will be in touch. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Well, what do you know? That's the show. If you learned something new today, share it in the comments below. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're listening on Spotify, you have the ability to leave me a voicemail message. Go ahead and utilize that. I would like this to be a two-way conversation. And if you are on TikTok, head on over to my page. I'm at Strangely Brilliant Pod. That's Strangely Brilliant Pod. And while you're there, go ahead and hit that follow button so that you stay up to date with what's going down in these media streets. All right, y'all. Have a blessed week. Peace.